Welcome to Tea with the Changemakers. This week, we're talking to Lily C, who founded Think Dirty, an app that helps shoppers to quickly find out whether their cosmetic and beauty products that we buy every day contain ingredients that could be harmful or toxic to us. Lily tells us all about her app, which boasts over 800,000 products in its database. This handy app can tell us what products are considered better for us and which products are harmful to the planet. All you have to do is do a quick scan of the product barcode and you'll find all the crucial information that you need at your fingertips. It's been dubbed the Shazam of the cosmetic industry. Lily joins us this week from Canada and I'm thrilled to be talking to this inspiring social entrepreneur who is making waves in the beauty and tech industry. Welcome, Lily. Welcome to Tea with the Changemakers. It's lovely to meet you. Uh, For our listeners, can you tell us a little bit about you and uh, what you do? Sure, sure. Uh, So my name is Lily. I'm founder and CEO of Think Dirty. Um, Think Dirty is a mobile app currently in the App Store in over 33 different countries. Our app aims to help um, consumers to make more, um, you know, responsible choices about beauty and personal care product by learning ingredients, um, how it impacts their health and the environment. And so we rate uh, over about 800,000 products and we have about 5 million users worldwide. Um, I started the company about 10 years ago and uh, with the mission is really just make sure everyone can understand what behind the label of uh, beauty, personal care, um, mm. body care, uh, anything that put on your body, anything. Mm. And it's been dubbed the Shazam uh, of the cosmetic industry, hasn't yeah, it? Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah t- tell yeah, us a exactly. bit about that. What, what's the what's the relationship or how, what's the similarity between Shazam and uh, Think Dirty? Yeah, for sure. So Shazam, like, I mean, you... Just tap a button, you know what the song is, you know. And so, like, the way it works is, like, you scan a barcode or you search the product name and we rate every single thing on the label. And the way we explain it is to men for everyday consumer. We try to avoid too many jargon. And we also try our best to link to every single peer review study, any government list the reason why we uh, rate them this way. Uh, So this way, everyone don't need to rely on um, like a chemist or toxicologist to explain anything. They have this in their pocket. Um, When I first started the app meant to complimentary for people, let's say walk in store to buy something, but now everyone uh, at home, then I think maybe they can just use it to do their own research and order online. But it meant to be just keep it in the pocket. They can use it anytime, anywhere. Mm. And what led you to uh, come up with this idea, really? It's a fantastic idea and something I think we all need in our pocket. And I think if you've got 5 million people using it, it definitely is a great tool. But what, what what's, the, what's the backstory? What led you to creating this fantastic app? Yeah, so there's a few reasons. Um, number one is like uh, mainly because my mom is a breast cancer survivor. And at that time, I think most of the focus talk about, you know, doing mammogram or eat uh, healthy or the diet exercise. But not many people talk about the environmental risk factor when it comes to a certain type of female hormonal related cancer. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so cosmetic is a one of the many things, right? Uh, there's other environmental risk factor too. Like for example, 
you know, flame retardant, for example, right? So actually, you know, a lot of people didn't know, for example, firefighter women actually have very high risk of having breast cancer because of the chemical in the clothing. Mm-hmm. But anyway, back on track. So cosmetic uh, and personal care product, and then it's one of the industry not very highly regulated at least in North America. Um, so there's a lot of ingredients that not fully researched and or they've been used in industrial fact setting, but also used in kind of, you know, consumer product setting. So at that time, um, we're talking about like over 10 years ago um, in North America, there's only like a handful of nonprofit group and they would offer you offer consumer these little pocket guy like just a piece of paper mm-hmm. and you keep it in your wallet you can read what are the five things to avoid and then they will list let's say i remember at that time i read they would say avoid formaldehyde releasing agents right mm-hmm. and when you read this like what actually even that means then then you have to research further so that means actually at least a let's say 10, 20 different chemical. The name is very hard to remember. If you Google, you never know how to spell it. Mm -hmm. So to me, it just has to be a more easy way. Um, And then around that time is when the smartphone gets started. And then so I thought, you know, maybe the app could be doing uh, what this little wallet card doing. So 10 years ago, there was this little wallet card, as you say, that many people carried around with them. And it highlighted five ingredients to avoid in beauty and cosmetic products. And as a consumer, it was your job to get your little card out and to match the ingredients with the products that you were thinking of buying. And often, as you know, uh, products, particularly beauty products, they have very, very small text. Or even in the case of, let's say, a lipstick, you might have to take a trip to the website or even delve deeper down the rabbit hole, I guess, in order to try and find out whether these products have those ingredients. Um, And it just wasn't an easy task, was it? But your app takes that hassle away just simply by by scanning the barcode of the product, which is which is fantastic. Um, but another thing, a lot of these products, they're using language that might imply better or good to the consumer, such as natural or green, ethical, many say environmentally friendly, but still contain or have hidden chemicals that are anything but. So Think Dirty really does help consumers to navigate the jargon and verify the claims by these companies. So I find uh, on the chemical front, hard to understand. And then on the verification of certain claim, also very hard. So I find the best way it's just someone, I mean, I mean, the consumer can understand better what actually each ingredients mean. Then that way they can just truly make a more informed decision. Um, I just feel building a tool that people can use it every day. Like to me at that time, it feel more compelling to me. Yeah, and we've over, did you say, how many products are in the database, did you say, around? Uh, 800,000. 800,000. So that, you certainly couldn't put 800,000 on a little piece of card, <laughs> uh, thinking back to, to those those days. So as a result of uh, launching the app and growing it and having that many people subscribing and using it every day, have you had much opposition from the cosmetic industry and uh, how's that been? I mean, usually that's a very common question early days. I think because early days still uncertain, like where things going to go, like, you know, are you offending company, et cetera. But I think slowly as we see, right, this become more and more a concern for everyday consumer. So a lot of these cases come out, really kind of highlight the issue that this is something consumer concern. I think company more concerned about they're not doing enough 
like not being transparent enough, not care about picking the ingredients rather than kind of like squashing this voice down. Mm. Because uh, for example, you look at Sephora, Sephora have this uh, seal called Clean as Sephora. Mm. And so they, they also try to be more transparent, try to be more natural and, you know, non-toxic. Like this is a overall trend where the industry is going. So I, I think now is, is, is almost like if you try to do the opposite, consumer won't buy into that. Mm-hmm. But early days, definitely. Early days, there were some concern. Um, but early days, I think we were also smaller. So I think they're not going to bother us much. But now as we get more popular, but the trend also in our favor, mm-hmm. you know, so I, I don't think it's, it's an issue mm-hmm. anymore. So it sounds like there's been quite a positive response from the industry, certainly now or you know more recently yeah. to mm. the app. Um, and yeah. I guess really, has it has it? Do you feel like in a way it's facilitated change? Because if you're a, a beauty brand and you're looking up, you know how you appear on the app, and it's 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 got some big red flags there. Is it making them or pushing them into reformulation of their products? Yeah, absolutely. I think that. Probably the one major thing I've seen in the beauty industry is a lot of the big conventional company are buying the small independent natural brand. So they have it in their portfolio so that they kind of hatching the best against their more traditional brand that might not be formulated that clean or organic. Right. And, um, and definitely, I think it's about starting a conversation. I think, Brand thing, I don't need to do anything if no consumer care about it. The more people care about it, the more they talk about it, the more they demand certain things, then company, okay, I guess we need to do a certain way. So I think definitely the app is part of this overall movement that, you know, more and more consumer focus on this, right? Mm-hmm. And once consumer focus, the company want to meet consumer needs mm-hmm. and then they will also change in the direction as well. So for those listeners who haven't had the opportunity to download the Think Dirty app yet, can you tell us a little bit about the Dirty Meter rating? Yeah, sure, sure, sure. So Dirty Meter rating, basically how we consider how, you know, harmful of the ingredient is potentially and how we rate is whether harmful or not is based on a bunch of factor and a bunch of, you know, peer review study. So for example, if that ingredient is listed in certain government lists, let's say the FDA or Health Canada or the EU um, cosmetic list as let's say restricted or limited. So definitely that dirty meter rating is higher. Um, If it's not in any of those lists, then likely it will be on the, the cleaner side. And then if it's, if there's, absolutely like no studies show any harmful effect and definitely is rated the best. So that's, that's roughly how we um, assign the rating. And also we don't only look at, let's say one country. So let's say we are in Canada. We don't only look at Health Canada. We look at FDA. We look at um, EU. We look at any other country, any resources that we can possibly find because sometime when we buy certain product, uh, let's say located in Canada, you only in theory have to pass the local regulation. But what if, for example, certain things are restricted in Europe, you probably would like to know the reason why as well, right? Mm-hmm. So um, our app used kind of the most stringent 
uh, standard globally to help consumer to screen out product mm. that way. Oh wow, that's that sounds great. And with over eight hundred thousand products there, there's uh, obviously a lot to to look at. Are there any mm. sort of common sort of red flags that you do see that would mark it up as being you know not very good for us? Mm-hmm. So usually, I think anything contain, let's say, um, like fragrance, usually don't mark as good. And the reason being is. The term fragrance in North America or maybe in uh, Europe, UK as well, is usually company commonly use that term to mask a lot of kind of hidden ingredients they didn't want to disclose. Mm. And sometimes it's not purposely doing that. Sometimes because they just don't want people to know what the formulation of the smell is kind of a trade secret. Um, other cases, the fragrance itself, it kind of does a lot of kind of unknown chemical and usually allergens in it so usually we tend to err on a safe side rated not as a good rating Mm. we had uh, Fran Beer on one of our earlier episodes and she is the CEO of the Beeswax Rap Co and you actually inspired her to start her company because yes and it's a very very fantastic fabulous successful company here in the UK that's really growing Uh, she's discovered through using your app and uh, through her own research the impact of cling film on us as humans like wrapping our food in cling film so she then sought out an alternative and then that led to her establishing her her company which is doing really really well so you know your app is 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 not just inspiring individuals to make different choices when they're buying their cosmetics it's actually starting uh, and growing businesses so um that's why we wanted to invite you on because we awesome. were so inspired yeah, I would by love story. To, love to meet her or connect with her you can make an intro that would be great Absolutely, I, I definitely will. Um, and she, just like uh, just like yourself, Fran had a passion for really understanding the ingredients and what goes into the products that we put onto our skin. So you mentioned that your mum had cancer. I hope your mum's much better yeah, now. Yeah, she's good now. Thank yeah, you. Cancer's devastating. What are some mm-hmm. of the other impacts that some of these ingredients that the cosmetic industry are using what are harmful to? Two people. Can you talk about that at all? Um, I think mainly I find allergen is a big one. Like so, for example, um, I don't know. Like personally, I actually very sensitive to fragrance myself, mm. and it just if I'm in the elevator with someone, you know, like if they have a really strong perfume, like you got a headache, and then just like kind of just throw you off. So I think that's why if you go to the hospital, you see a lot of signs that sense free i don't know at least the one in canada they just ask people don't even wear perfume so that's interesting so if you go into a hospital in canada you are very likely to see some signs up that say do not wear perfume or fragrances that's that's that is really interesting we don't have that in the uk maybe we need that um but what about the environment um what what can you tell us about how the app helps to make us aware of um the impact or damage to the planet and the environment so for example for a while uh micro beads you know mm. the little cleaner the scrub the little bead so a lot of us didn't know you look at the packaging and look cool you know it feel like if you use them, make your clean, super clean. But then that those tiny, tiny plastic is kind of what the fish is eating. And then we might eat it too. And just there's so much like a chain reaction that we don't even realize. So does the app let people know not just the health impacts, but the environmental and 
potentially the social impact like child labor for example all the all the yeah. things that happen behind the scenes does the app yeah. help you to understand those impacts or those consequences Yes, so not just health, like mainly health, but there's also other related environmental stuff. So yeah, like definitely palm oil, for example. Um, I can, oh yeah. So for example, silicone too, right? Silicone, again, it's not, nothing really bad per se. Like let's say if you put silicone around your hair, you know, it just make it look shiny, more smooth, mm-hmm. but then it's not biodegradable, right? So for mm-hmm. example, right? Then you wash it down the water. So silicon might not present too many red flags when it comes to being harmful to us, but it can be very harmful to the planet when we wash it down the sink. So in a nutshell, the irony after I started the app, then you realize the best way for your health and environment just use like nothing. <laughs> <laughs> what do we do? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's just use very minimal thing. Like for example, most of my product has no scent. Yeah. And then uh, I just like maybe use like one lip oil or something like that. So we talked about greenwashing and the language that the industry uses in order to try and market to us. Um, I'm really interested. You have a background in advertising and marketing as well. What's your overall view, opinion on how the uh, cosmetic beauty industry market to women in particular? Personal thing beauty industry really profit on women insecurity mm. right they, they convince you you need to use this 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 like you know 20 different things to feel beautiful mm. um, but but it's not the right motivation to make us feel good you mm. know i feel so sometimes the downside is you spend all this money the second side effect is like you spend all this money the ingredients not even that great yeah i i, I couldn't agree more and uh it's, it, I guess, really, it's quite a hard one to operate in that field where really what you're doing is make, raising awareness of what's in a product. And yes. then as you raise awareness, people are moving to action by perhaps not buying that product or yes. hopefully, you know, are thinking about changing their behavior completely and perhaps um, rejecting uh, beauty and cosmetics, perhaps. And that yes. could be the way forward, really. What do you, yeah, do you think that could be? the future i think i think redefining what beauty is like for example if let's say a brand like so for example i've seen a few other makeup brand what their messaging i i like it is like number one if they make let's say makeup right they have many different skin tones so it's not just certain type of shape but like cover a variety of different race people so mm-hmm. i like that type of approach and then the messaging is almost like there's nothing you need to hide about yourself it's more like bring out what the best in you and maybe more like minimal set of product not too many options so there's many different ways to play around with it but i i definitely think that the era when just to convince women that you're not good enough you're not beautiful mm-hmm. enough not this enough and then to sell you more things that mm-hmm. no longer working mm-hmm. i find it definitely has to be a different angle and then has to be around being healthy, being content. Mm, mm, no, absolutely. Now, before we end, I would really like to ask you, you're a woman in tech um, and you've been on this journey for 10 years. What are some of the mm. lessons and things you've learned along the way? Um, yeah, it's, it's not easy. <laughs> it's number one, very, very not easy. 
Um, and especially, I think, if you're not a developer, like mm-hmm. not from like a tech background and start a tech company, like a lot of people would question you, challenge you, um, make you feel you shouldn't be doing it, make you question yourself, make you second guess yourself. So I think that one part is the hardest at the beginning. And also, no matter how experienced you are in my previous industry, once you start your own and start something like completely new that I've never done, it's almost like all of those you have to kind of put it aside. You cannot treat it like, hey, I I had this much experience and use it for that, right? I have to have the mindset very open-minded at early day, very humble and try to be nice to people and um, build good relationship. Don't burn any bridges. I think, I think that especially for women, you know, mm-hmm. I think, I think for women, the moment you lose your cool and then that being used against you. Mm-hmm. Right. So no matter how stressful, how angry you are, you kind of have to stay calm and just mm-hmm. kind of, you know, um, to, to, to handle that. Um, but overall, um, it's not easy, but I'm really glad seeing more and more women doing it. And I think it's important because a lot of the tech solutions solve certain problems. They're not solving problems that focus on women, right? Mm-hmm. Like they're focusing not the right focus. Like technology is a very power way, powerful way to solve any problem. The, the key is what type of problem you're solving, right? I just find 10 years, all the women founder that I met, very few of them only start a company just to make a lot of money. Mm-hmm. Most of them would have a personal mission, a story. Like wanna, the most common theme I heard is they want to help people. They want to help someone. They want to make a profitable company doesn't have to be obscene amount of profit, mm-hmm. but just do something they can help people at the same time have autonomy because mm-hmm. most of the women founder also they're older, right? Very few of them in their early 20s. So a lot of them, they work for someone. They usually hated it. And that's why they start something. And they start something not just to make sure to the money, just so that they earn the respect. I have the freedom. I have the autonomy autonomy i can make my own decision mm. i don't need to kind of beholden to anyone um so all of those still true but one surprising element i find is sometime if you have let's say developer on your team and sometimes even though you are the highest and then still you kind of have to beholden <laughs> to them that's the part was very hard to overcome still like you feel like you still hold a lot of power because of technology um but overall i think you know i like seeing more women in tech because again tech is important to solve any problem and if we want problem more focusing on women women's health things are important to us we need someone who been through it will live through it yeah i i agree lily we definitely need more women in tech uh to solve a lot of problems we need more women in tech and according to womenintech.co.uk in the uk only 19 percent of people are women that are working in the tech industry so that's less than one in five it's quite shocking so we really need to improve on that uh, statistic get more women in tech helping to solve uh, some of society's biggest problems I'm happy to see more and more. Like I think compared to 10 years ago, um, I remember 10 years ago, I started this 
also kind of the, at the um, competition that I win, right? It's a pitch competition. There were 10 finalists and I, I was the only woman, right? Wow. So, yeah, so 10 of us, I'm the only one. And I it, I think my friend took a picture of me too. I was waiting and then behind is like all, all men sitting <laughs> behind <laughs> It's actually very intimidating. I, mm. I remember the very first um, pitch. It was only 30 people in the room, but mm. I was so nervous. I actually went the day before to the venue just to practice <laughs> an empty room and then go back to do the actual pitch. But I'm really glad we win. Um, it was only like, honestly, like that competition, I only win like 5,000 Canadian dollars. But to me, I feel like I win a lottery. I feel like I can do anything and that's that's kind of how I started. So I'm really glad it's still around after 10 years after that. I'm so glad that you were able to get that investment, Lily, to start your business. But in monetary terms, it is a low amount. And it got me really thinking and looking into female investment. And I found it quite shocking that if you're a woman in in the UK, you're 63% less likely than your male counterparts to obtain venture capital funding to get your business off the ground. And I, I find that that rather shocking. So uh, well done, Lily, for everything you've done to start and grow your business. You've done so well, Lily, honestly, and have five, over 5 million uh, subscribers of people using the app. And I think that's only just going to grow and grow. Uh, people are so interested now in what is actually going into the products that that hit our skin. Uh, so, no, well done on, on what you've done with Think Dirty. And it's been an absolute pleasure to talk to you today. And thank you so much for being on Tea with the Changemakers. OK, great. Thank you. Take care. Take care. Thanks for joining us this episode, Lily. I really highly recommend to our listeners that you download Think Dirty. It's a great resource and it will help you to access products that are better for you and better for the planet. If you enjoyed this week's episode, then remember to subscribe to us wherever you're listening. And always remember that you can check out our website, that's social-change.co.uk. Then head for the teacup in the top right-hand corner to find out more about Tea with the Changemakers. Makers.